Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast where we talk to high achievers about their goals. My name is Kristen Guile. I'm the editor-in-chief of asweatlife.com, and today you'll hear me speak with Robert Brace. Robert is known in the fitness community as the mind-body-soul connector. He is a celebrity wellness expert, a motivational speaker, former ballet dancer, a minister, and an author, which obviously leaves him a ton of time to run his New York studio, Brace Life Studios, which is designed for mind-body transformation. I got to know Robert and listened to his lovely British accent over the course of this interview. Uh, You'll hear me talk to him about his background as a ballet dancer and uh, an injury that actually helped transform his life for the better as he discovered more about what it meant to connect your mind, body, and your soul. You'll also hear him talk about how he found the path to becoming an ordained minister and the community he's built for that, especially as it relates to diversity and inclusion in the wellness space. But I think my favorite part of the interview comes towards the very end when I asked him our standard question about what's the goal that you are working on towards the future. And he told me that one of his major goals that he's working on is helping people find their internal why. And he told me something that I I've, haven't heard yet before in my 30 years of life that uh, we hear often that the body is the temple, but that shouldn't necessarily be taken to mean like the physical structure and the form that your body takes. Instead, it should be about that spirit of worship that you find inside yourself. And I'd never quite thought of it that way. You know, anytime I hear my body is a temple, I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm not supposed to drink or smoke and I'm supposed to, you know, stay healthy so that my my temple stays healthy. And instead he was referring more to finding that why, like that internal motivation that makes you want to take on, yes, maybe those physical changes, but only because you know that it's going to make you the best version of you. So I'm looking forward to spending some time thinking about that and thinking about what's going to drive me and my goals into 2020, and especially as we approach the Sweatworking Summit this upcoming weekend. So enjoy this episode with Robert Brace. Let us know how you liked it by leaving us a rating or review, or following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, at at a sweat life. And here's Robert with me. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not... Welcome to We Got Goals, guys. My name is Kristen Guile, and today I am on the phone with Robert Brace, who is known in the fitness community as the mind-body-soul connector. He is a celebrity wellness expert, a motivational speaker, a former ballet dancer, and star of the Food Network's weight loss reality show, Fat Chef. In 2008, Robert founded what is now known as Brace Life Studios in New York, the destination for mind-body transformation. And in all of the spare time I'm sure he has, Robert is also an ordained minister and an author of The Magic, which is a celebration of the wellness journeys of women of color. Robert, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Kristen. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Thank you for making the time. Um, Your biography is so interesting and such a diverse background, but I'd love to hear it a little bit more in your own words about how you got to where you are now. Oh, okay. Um, should I start from the beginning? Yeah, start from the beginning. And I, I read your bio because I do my homework and I know there was okay. part of uh, a back injury when you were a ballet dancer that seems like it was a transformational yes. moment in your life. 
Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I came to uh, New York City on, on scholarship to the Alvin Ailey School. And um, th- speaking of the back injury, uh, back in London, um, I was at one of the prominent dance schools there. And I was on scholarship. And I had, because of poor training, gotten a back injury. And they told me that if I didn't heal over the summer, I would lose my scholarship and lose my place no in the pressure. program. No pressure. Jeez. Um, and this, <laughs> exactly. And so this is all I ever wanted to do, right? Um, I was uh, on my way to doing an economics degree. I'm from um, an African household. So uh, moving from economics to pursuing dance had everybody up in arms. Yeah. And so I had to make this work. Um, and so... Um, and so that summer, I decided that my job was um, to heal my back and spend eight hours in the uh, dance body conditioning studio, deconstructing movement, relearning how to control my core, regaining my flexibility. And um, over that summer, um, I got my, sh- I, you know, I got back in shape, um, regained my scholarship, got my place back on the program. But what I learned during that time. Um, uh, really informs a lot of the programs that I do now, especially my 28-day challenge program. Like a side effect of all of that work in the body conditioning studio is my abs were just crazy ripped. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, not that that was what I was looking for at that time, but it was a great side effect. And um, it's I use that in programs now when people um, come to look um, to change their bodies. So that time of injury really did help me in my uh, training um, and when you say career. that that poor training helps lead to that in- injury, what do you mean by poor training? Well, um, I started dance late. I started at um, mm. sixteen, oh, wow. and so and so I was athletic. I was still flexible enough, but I needed a lot of training. And so I found there was one program that took people on um, who were late starters, and. Because I was athletic and I could do big jumps, um, my teacher didn't really slow down to teach me where to initiate movement from, how to use my core. Um, I had a certain amount of flexibility, and so I was hypermobile. And um, that uh, I didn't really learn how to control that until much later, and uh, that led to some injuries. It's really interesting, and I want to come back to that control, but... I'm also just really intrigued that you started dance late in life. What drew you to that area? Um, I always wanted to dance. I was um, ever since I was uh, a small kid, um, and um, like I said, I, I, I my family's West African, and they moved to London, and so education was super important. All my uncles and aunts were professionals, um, and so I just never thought it was an option. Um, for me to have a career in dance. And um, as I got older, I, I figured if I don't pursue this, I'm going to regret it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a friend who, she was going to dance classes and she told me to come along. And um, I eventually found this small dance class in a basement in a synagogue in this um, really affluent area of London and I would tell my, at the time I was spending, I was uh, living with my grandparents. So I would tell my grandparents I was going to study, take the bus across town and go to this, um, to this dance school. I was, I, you know, I was 16 years old. I was probably the size I am right now. And everybody else in the class was these affluent uh, <laughs> girl. 
<laughs> like uh, from 12 to 14. So I, you know, oh I stopped. <laughs> but, you know, I loved it. And it was from there that I got that audition to get into that school that, um, that uh, helped late starters start their careers. So um, I always wanted to dance. I just didn't know that I could have a career doing it. And the more that I explored it, the more that I saw that um, it was a possibility for me. So you dedicate your summer to healing. Mm-hmm. You have this this light bulb moment with the connection between your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that next? Um, for, for a while, look, all I wanted to do was be a dancer. I, um, I, the funny thing is I got my scholarship back and there was a, a company that was associated with the school and they invited me to do that. I said, no, I'm out of here. They, um, there was a scholarship program with the Alvin Ailey School. And so um, I took that. And came to New York um, and I was here and everything was about pursuing dance. And my first um, contact with personal training, because in, in London at the time, I don't think I'd ever heard of a personal trainer or personal right. training. And I, I came to New York at a place to stay for two months um, uh, during the scholarship, during the summer scholarship. I didn't have very much money. I was running out of money. I didn't have a place to stay. I knew I needed to get uh, get a job or do something because I knew I wasn't going back to London, uh, despite what I told everybody. And um, <laughs> I, I found um, there was in the Village Voice at the time, which is a, a local newspaper, a job, yeah. and it said they were looking for personal trainers to deliver exercise programs to clients. And so I figured, I don't know what that is. Let me go try it out. And... Um, so I went, I landed at the studio in Soho in uh, New York, and I guess it was on the tail end of its heyday, and they um, were looking for trainers, and he asked me what I could do. I said, I can dance, I have a dance degree, and I can stretch people, and he said, I'll give him a shot. And uh, I was making all of $7 a session, Ooh, and um, that was, <laughs> that was uh, the beginning of my personal training career. And so I did that, and then I went off, I did my dance career, and um, during that time, I, while I was dancing in New York, I um, was exploring spirituality and I ended up just visiting this performing arts spiritual group. Um, and they would meet and discuss, you know, what was going on with them as performing artists and just everything from the everyday struggles to addiction to all kinds of issues. And we would, um, we would help each other. And uh, that's how... I began my um, journey into the ministry was through the performing arts uh, part. So um, I guess I think, I hope that answers some of your question now. Yes, that was more than I hoped for. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Your background is so interesting, and I'm sure we'll learn more about it as we keep talking. But I want to get into the goal part of this podcast. So uh On We Got Goals, we ask our interviews two major questions. So it is officially time for the first one, Mm -hmm. which is what is a big goal you've had in the past? Why was it important to you and how did you get there? Uh, The biggest goal I've had in the past was was opening and having my own studio. Um, Yeah. It was important to me because... Um, I've, I think because of my unique background, I, I wanted a place to explore the things that have uh, shaped me and motivated me. And what I mean by that is, um, obviously, coming from a dance background is a specific approach to the body um, mm-hmm. for performance, for movement, for utility, um, and also for aesthetics. But um, right. 
there's a, an attention to detail and attention to form um, that has um, been translated into my training career. And so I wanted to be able to explore those ideas and my own background of healing myself. I just felt that that approach was missing or different. And I wanted a place of my own to explore that. I've been in other people's gyms. I share gyms with other people. And uh, I just wanted to put my own philosophy um, uh, into practice. And also coming from the ministry, the ministry... Um, helped me to meet people where they're at and find ways to help people see the best in themselves. And um, I wanted also to have my own place where I could, um, where, again, I could approach things from that perspective. So it was, that's why it was important to me. Um, during, also during the time, uh, one of the interesting things that happened is uh, as part of the ministry, the performing arts ministry, I met this guy called Mark Malkov, and he was a comedian who did these crazy publicity stunts. Like uh, one day he filmed himself going to all 170 Starbucks on Manhattan Island in 24 hours. Oh, my hours, God. Right? So, <laughs> so, um, so he was always doing this crazy stuff in media. And so one of the things he wanted to do is he approached me and he said, um, look, I see all this stuff about six-pack abs in 30 days in these magazines. Is that really possible? I want to do a story on my journey to try and get six-pack abs mm-hmm. uh, in 30 days. And so, you know, first of all, I was up for the challenge. <laughs> and second, yeah. it took, took me back to that studio when I was training in, in London. And so um, I was like, yeah, so I put those principles into place. Long story short, he got um, uh, the, the six pack abs. We did it in 28 days. Um, he put that on uh, social media. So at the time it was 2011. So, um, we got close to a million hits on that, on that, um, video. In and 2011. So, wow. That's what I'm saying. So, and I had no product. <laughs> I didn't have a, I was sharing a place. And so people started to seek me out for that particular program. Yeah. And so I wanted a place that I could um, do our program, train my trainers, put that philosophy um, into place. And then one of the other things um, that's happened along the way is because of my background in the ministry, um, I, I found, and not just because of that, I just, I've just found that over the years, a lot of um, high-powered uh, black women and women of color have sought me out. And I think, um, obviously, the journey's inspiring. I'm, I'm, you know, married to a black woman. I've got two beautiful black daughters. And, and um, I think the way of communicating from the ministry was um, resonating in such a way that I, I didn't really expect. And so what was coming back is that um, they felt that they had a safe space mm-hmm. to train their bodies, to to be seen, uh, to be heard, to be respected, and it was refreshing for them. So I think all of that together um, pushed me to want to have my own space where I could uh, develop these programs and ideas. Well, and I think that makes complete sense given what you just told me about how you were taking dance classes where you were the only person your age and who looked like you. Um, And -hmm. I know it's something the wellness industry struggles with is, you know, diversity and inclusion and 
creating spaces mm-hmm. and programming that aren't just for white women who can afford to take $40 a pop studio classes. And it sounds like that's what you're right. really building at Brace Life Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I mean, what I look as a business owner, um, one of the things I am most proud of is the community that we've created here because, you know, it's, you know, we have prominent clients like um, Deborah Lee, Lisa Price, Angela, Angela Rye, June Ambrose, these prominent women in business and entertainment and just being able to see them in here, encourage each other, lift each other up. Um, it's, it's really important. And um, we were, we do different workshops. So I was invited to Deborah Lee. She used to be, the um, the CEO of BET, um, which is a uh, you know the biggest black yeah, yeah. TV, um, and um, and she invited me to do a conference, and so it was physical, but we also approached it with from the mental aspect with a specific kind of guided meditation, and you know um, some of the women were in tears, and um, you know you don't you you kind of get on with life and you do what you're doing and you try and make it good. Um, but I didn't realize the impact I was having when I was in this room with all of these amazing, powerful black women and women of color. And one woman came up to me uh, with tears in her eyes and said, thank you for doing what you're doing because uh, we feel like we haven't been seen and this helps us feel seen. And so that's when I had to take a step back and think to myself, okay, this is uh, again, another way of doing ministry. And look, we're, we're inclusive of everybody, you know, all mm-hmm. races, all people we train in the studio. Um, but um, it's it's just one of the things that uh, we are I'm very proud of. Yeah, well, congratulations. That is not an easy thing to do. And I, I think it's so important that mm-hmm. you're making that a focus. I, mm-hmm. I want to get back to sort of the basics a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You are known as the mind, body, soul connector. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a fitness instructor part time. So I, I understand the mind body connection. And I think about that a lot. But I would love to hear mm-hmm. your definition of the term and especially how with your background as a minister, the soul part comes into it. Okay. Um, Oh, I could go on for this forever, so I'll keep it short. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll allow two hours for this part of the interview. <laughs> okay, I'll, be, I'll, I'll try and be brief. So when I was done <laughs> in class, every day uh, I would walk in the ballet class or I was doing the Martha Graham technique. Um, when I was doing that, uh, there's such a detailed focus to how you're moving your body, where you're initiating movement, what the outcome is supposed to be that your brain is fully engaged and it becomes like a movement meditation, right? You're not thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. You're watching your breathing, you're moving your body, you're getting all of the benefits of the increased serotonin that gives you joy, it gives you peace, it helps you focus, right? So um, for me, I just thought I was having a great time because I was doing what I love, which was dancing. I went into the ministry. When I went into the ministry, um, I wasn't dancing. I'd stopped dancing and I was focusing purely on the mental um uh, implementation of spiritual principles, right? So I got to identify with spiritual principles more, learn more about it. But what was missing was the physical aspect that I felt when I was dancing. And so I, I knew that the dancing gave me some kind of spiritual fulfillment that I wasn't getting, but the mental assertion of spirituality and connecting with other people was very powerful too. So when I came back to training, I wanted to marry the two. And for me, 
sometimes when we talk about mind, body, soul, it can be so ethereal and so out there that people can't really connect. We know it exists, um, but how do we make it practical and actionable? And so the way that um, I describe it um, as in just two different ways. One is that, look, on a very clinical training scientific level, we know that, um, or if you look at the great religions, right, and you, there's many parts of spirituality, um, but let's just say you take religion as an example, right? Um, mm -hmm. You have Judaism, which has the principle of shalom, which means, uh, on the face of it, means peace, but the actual uh, deeper definition means a balanced life where everything is aligned and in place, right? You think about uh, Islam, which just simply means peace. Um, Buddhism, when Buddha was asked as a quote, uh, what did he get from meditation? He says, I gain nothing from meditation, but I lose my anger, I lose depression, I lose anxiety, right? So right. Um, from meditating, it's about what he can release. And then you look at Christianity, fruits of the spirits of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control. So these are all you know, peace, shalom, balance, alignment, uh, goodness, kindness, self-control. These are all so-called spiritual qualities, right? When we move our body and we increase serotonin, right, that gives your body more of a sense of joy. Um, that's a spiritual quality. The endorphins are released, which helps you have more of a sense of peace and release from pain sense of peace can be described as a spiritual quality. Um, we know that exercise gives you more impulse control. And so um, control over your actions, again, spiritual quality. And so on the very basic level, moving your body can provide you with these so-called spiritual benefits to your life. Peace, control, um, more clarity of mind. And so for me, that's a very, so when I speak to people in the faith-based community, I, I talk to them about, all right, these are the things you say you're living your life for, but your body has a way of providing these same qualities. And if you're not, if you're only using your mind to try and find them, you know, it's not shalom, it's not balanced, it's not aligned. You need both to be able to find it. Um, and, um, you know, one story that I have, and you can stop me if I'm going no. too long on this. Um, but one story that I have is I, I was training this um, this couple, um, and they are you know, successful, both doctors. They have an orphanage um, in India where they're literally saving people's lives. I'm training the husband one day. The wife is, is running late, and her uh, husband leans over to me and says, um, look, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell my wife. <laughs> and so I'm listening, and I'm thinking, okay, it's probably not going to be good. But he says that... Uh, She's been doing the program, they've been losing weight, but she has, um, he finds all of these empty soda cans in her car. <laughs> um, and so she, when he brings it up, she blows up at him. And so he's like, I need you to fix it. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, anyway, we get into the, she runs in late. She, um, we get to the end of the session and, um, you know, I ask her about if she's sticking to the program and she says, yes. And then we both look at her and, she mm -hmm. figures out we've had a conversation. And so I just thought it was going to be, you know, she was going to be mildly upset or there would be some playful banter. But she literally put her hands on her hips. She walked around in a circle and then she, uh, she took her finger, pointed it at, at her husband and she um, she called him a rat. She called him a traitor. <laughs> and then the thing that hit me, 
it was it was a really outsized response. And so I'm I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a bit much. And um, then she made this statement. She said, um, um, "I'm trying really hard. I've got this crazy commute. I'm working these crazy hours. You know how stressful my job is." And then she said, "And now you want to take away the one thing in my life that gives me joy and happiness." So I'm thinking to the myself, one thing is soda. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is this is what they're super wealthy, successful, um, amazing careers, and um, they're literally saving lives. They've got two beautiful kids. And her statement about soda was that was the one thing that gave her joy and happiness. And so as we talked, we found out that um, you know she she was a doctor who uh, deals with a rare form of cancer. And most of her patients don't make it. And so when she goes into work, uh, she's comforting the family. She's, you know, trying to be positive for the patient. But she'd see these mm -hmm. families go through a cycle of denial, pain, and grief. And sometimes she would go away crying, come back to be professional. And she had a two-hour commute there, two-hour commute back. And so what was happening is before she went to work, when she was in the parking lot, she drank soda to give herself that little boost. She'd come home, she'd park a little way away from home, she'd drink her sodas, uh, you know, she'd get that sugar rush and then she could go who should go and be a great mom or, and a great wife to her husband. And, you know, she was holding on to soda. So, you know, soda and the sugar addiction that she had literally was giving her joy in her life. And the more that we broke it down, the more that we saw that the quality she was looking for was the joy, was the peace, was the release from anxiety, was the release from depression, was a sense of control over her life. And what she was looking for was the spiritual qualities, um, which we ended up talking about, she can get from her movement, she can get from uh, her exercise program, if she channels it in a certain way, if we do certain exercises. And she started to channel that and take that on. And, you know, her... Soda addiction began to decrease, she lost weight, they live a healthy lifestyle. But it underscored for me that what she was really looking for, what we're all looking for, these quote-unquote spiritual qualities, everyone wants love, joy, peace, self-control in their life. And if um, physicality can provide that as it did for her, um, then that's something that, uh, a message that I could give to everybody. So. I love that is kind of a, a parable for, for what you're trying to do. So mm. I'm curious, I, I know that you're, you just launched or you are launching your new body sense class, which is sort mm. of a class around that whole concept. And I'm so curious as to what it looks like when you try to put those three uh, concepts together and create that sort of flow state within a studio fitness class. What does that look mm. like? Well, for us, we, we, um, we have small group classes, and um, again, the principles are based on the, what, what I learned in dance in terms of that extreme focus on form and what is happening with your body. Um, we know through embodied cognition, principle of embodied cognition, that the more that you are present in every movement and you're present in how you approach it, which muscles you use, that it can accelerate your results. And just by being in that state of focus, it does create that flow state. So that's the first thing. 
um, is uh, we tell our clients to put their brain inside their bodies. Um, and then, you know, we have fun. There's a lot of interactive um, exercises that we do where people are connecting. Mm. Um, it's slightly competitive. It's a lot of fun. It gets pretty loud. But so we, we go from the moments of intense focus to intense connection. Um, sometimes we do exercises in silence so they can hear their breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, and, and also, you know, to get the results that people are looking for physically. And then at the end of each uh, workout, they um, in our studio, we have um, it's an open studio. So there's no um, wall between the. Uh, class section and the personal training section. Yep. And so at the end of each class, we have these silent headphones um, that they put on um, and they get a guided meditation, which has breathing exercises, but also motivational principles um, uh, as, as they listen to it. So it's almost like um, a mini motivational lesson uh, with breathing exercises and visualization. And while they have the headphones on, uh, they put on a cooling eye gel mask just to help them feel refreshed, chill the body out. At the end, we serve them with a chilled eucalyptus-infused towel, again, um, helping them to just feel a sense of calm, feel a sense of being taken care of. And then the drinks that we use, the nutrition that we use, um, is, again, to uh, project those spiritual qualities. For example... Uh, we use spinach extract and thylakoids, and thylakoids are, are a natural a natural appetite suppressant, um, proven to um, to reduce your cravings for sugars and carbs as well as 5-HTP. But we give them those drinks because it gives people a sense of control, right? So if you're drinking the spinach extract, yes, it's an appetite suppressant, but the apple, the function of that is to give you a sense of control. 5-HTPs, uh, serotonin. A booster and so um, a natural serotonin booster so again it gives you a sense of joy um, after your workout so from the beginning to the end it is a mind body soul journey and all of the aspects of it um, are put together uh, specifically to help people go along that pathway I think it's so important that you built it right into your classes for your clients to take time to slow down at the end of class mm-hmm. and let their, their minds and their bodies cool down. I know I am so guilty of this. Like I will jam pack my day just straight to the gills and I'll plan so that I have to, you know, go straight from one workout right out the door onto the next thing and like cutting down mm-hmm. any type of cool down or like even just not taking the second to like soak in like, wow, I just did something that was like pretty hard and like, acknowledge that challenge i love that Mm -hmm. you're like not really making it an optional part of the class (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah and yeah it's it's been interesting and we we learn a lot as well we learn we've learned a lot about and you know what what clients need and and what works and um and so yeah it's just great to be on this journey it's great to be on this journey with them and um and then also take those principles as well and um, deliver them to underserved communities. So Yeah, great pivot. Read my mind. I was just about to bring up how okay. our focus right now for the podcast is on giving generously. And I was hoping that you would tell mm-hmm. a little bit more about how you do that. Yeah, um, when I was in the ministry, um, when, you're a, when you're a minister, you obviously get to 
get close to people. And my particular journey was that when I was in the ministry, I saw three people who I was close to pass away due to obesity-related issues. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, one, um, I was the first person there after he had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so one of the first people there. And another was great guy, um, had a great family, great career. Um, yeah, people had talked to him about his weight before and, again, had a heart attack, left a uh, wife and two kids. And the other person who was really close to my wife and I was our um, – she uh, was our wedding coordinator and I had left the ministry at that time and um, I was into my personal training career and I, you know, I knew she was overweight, but I didn't know she was having um, surgery and the surgery went wrong and, you know, she passed away. And so I knew that community and I thought I really, I have the tools and the ability to speak to them in a language that they can understand and from a place that they can understand. And so I just started reaching out and um, wanting to deliver the Sunday sermon based on the mind-body connection. And, you know, look, the church community is, is great. They accomplish a lot of things. But, you know, church dinners and church lunches are full of fatty, fried, greasy foods. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we express our love um, to each other through food. It's how we mm-hmm. uh, commune and, and, and communicate and have community. And so it's, um, it's taking, seeing that in these underserved communities where they're not getting the encouragement, where people just feel like, or oh, they don't even pay attention to the stress that they're feeling, or it's just looked at as something you've got to get through and, um, and sometimes in some areas there's not access to uh, healthy, organic choices. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's what I figured is the one positive thing about the uh, faith-based community is that there are there's not only either Sunday service or whatever service it is, um, but there are millions of people meeting in small groups all over America during the week to meet each other and encourage each other and lift each other up, which is basically what we did in a performing arts ministry. And they have, because for many of them, they've changed their lives based on a set of principles. They have the DNA within the group to be able to make that switch in terms of their wellness, to live on a set of principles, not fat diets, not quick results, but a set of principles about healthy living. And so I figured that if I could do my part to um, encourage, speak to them, talk to them in language that they understand, reveal some of these principles, um, that um, that hopefully it can do some good. So That's amazing. Yeah. And have, have you heard like good stories, good testimonials from people that you've worked with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's always the weight loss story, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, um, there was an elder in one particular ministry um, who was struggling with his weight, wanted to set an example. So I began to work with him and, you know, he lost 60 pounds in a short period of time and, and, and kept going. And then, um, so those are, those are, there are stories like that. But then more importantly, there are people who will email me or call me and, and tell me, oh, I'm, I've stopped um, eating processed foods or 
me and my husband now go for a walk together or you know i've included the kids in my in my uh fitness regimen and so all of those kind of stories um uh, are super encouraging um so so yeah i mean there are, there are, there are many of them wow well congratulations on making such a difference um i know that we are getting close to the end of our time together unfortunately mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we uh, leave some some room to speak about the second big question that we ask everybody on the podcast. Ready for it? Okay. Yep. All right. It's just a twist on the first one. Uh, tell us about a big goal that you have for the future and why it's so important to you and how you're working to get there. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to create a mind, body, soul movement that transcends me. And I say um, a movement um, because I think, you know, we live in an information age, um, but information doesn't change us, right? You can Google what uh, any workout or any regimen, how to lose weight or whatever at any time, but... Um, just having information isn't what changes us. What we know what changes people are uh, convictions, new belief systems um, that resonate with your soul in such a way that it compels you to respond or compels you to act. And so um, I think right now, especially in the fitness industry, most of the plans are hero-oriented. In other words, uh, this celebrity trainer has a plan and you've got to get on that plan to lose the weight, yeah. right? Or um, this uh, plan has been around forever and people subscribe to that, which is, you know, which is great and which is helpful. But uh, the whole thing about that is we're all so different. And I think that we can all learn from each other. And so what happens on those plans, at least with what I've seen, is that if one part doesn't work or if one part's not right for you, it can be discouraging. You can feel like you don't have the willpower, which is a whole other thing. Um, and then you end up falling off the plan. Mm-hmm. I really want to help people um, gain convictions and belief systems about their long-term health. And you, you always hear the, the phrase, your body is a temple, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we focus, the thing that makes a temple a temple is what happens within it, the spirit, the worship, whatever goes on within it, not the building in and of itself. And so I think that if people can begin to engage with wellness and fitness from the goodness that's within inside them, from um, all of us have a contribution to make on this earth um, that's bigger than ourselves, and we can't do it if we're not healthy, we can't do it if we don't feel confident in our bodies, and to, to have that goodness and that greatness and the giving spirit that's within all of us be the inspiration for why we um, engage our bodies as opposed to what we don't like about ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. you think about the beauty industry or fitness, fix, improve, enhance, right? In other words, you're not enough as you are. Um, beauty, anti-age, anti-wrinkle, uh, basically anti-you, right? So I want to help people initiate their wellness from a sense of bringing out the best in themselves and being able to learn from each other. Um, I think uh, one of the recent things that happened that people are talking a lot about is um, Jillian Michaels, who had uh, made a comment about Lizzo. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can understand where 
Jillian Michaels is coming from. And right. I think one of the comments was that why should Lizzo's body be, um, be celebrated? And um, I think the point that gets missed in comments like that is, look, in today's climate, it's nearly impossible for overweight people to embrace and love themselves. They've been told that they don't belong, that they need to hide their bodies, that no one wants to see them and that they don't fit in, especially in the entertainment arena where their talents can't be seen unless they look a certain way, which causes more shame and security. And, and it feeds the very reasons why many people are, are overweight or have trouble gaining control of their weight. But what Lizzo's example, I think, and I believe has done, is that is it says that you can love yourself now, right now, not when you look a certain way or fit into a certain body type. And she's shown millions of overweight women that they too are worthy today. Um, that they don't need to hide, that their talents can be seen, and that they can thrive and be successful looking like Lizzo does, right? And so for me, in regard to her body, uh, it should be celebrated because it's inspiring people. She moves, she dances, and she's living on her own terms. Now, once people can see themselves, then they can embrace themselves, accept themselves, and learn to love themselves. And maybe that will lead to a healthier lifestyle. And so that's what I mean about principles and looking beyond the surface. Um, because we know, look, I was on one of those um, weight loss reality shows as well. And um, we know now there was that New York Times article that reported that most of the contestants on a show like The Biggest Loser end up gaining more weight after um, right. the show than when they were on it. And so we create these spectacles for people that um, really, when you look underneath the hood, are less than honest because, um, you know, I've spoken to some of the Biggest Loser contestants myself, um, and um, not to focus just on that program, but just in general, mm -hmm. that we can propagate these spectacles and expect people to live up to them when we know on the other side of it that it's not sustainable and most people are going to end up putting on more weight. And so we need to address the mind. We need to address your stress. We need to address the soul level qualities that you're seeking and have that be your inspiration um, because there is so much more to it. And I think when we, uh, like this Lizzo case, when we look at someone and immediately say, because they're overweight, we attach it to, um, diabetes, which is real, you know, yeah. I, I, I completely get that. It's honest and, 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 and in certain circumstances it needs to be said. But I think that we need to be able to look beyond that and find ways to inspire people to find their own inspiration that is not hero-centric or program-centric, but is them-centric. Um, and then I think we can learn from each other and it, it will be uh, much more of an accepting, inclusive environment and movement. So... Uh, it's a lofty idea, <laughs> but um... <laughs> it is. But I love how how passionate you are about it, and it's something that you know I'm definitely going to spend some time reflecting on today. Is like finding that internal mm -hmm. why that propels you towards that best version mm -hmm. of yourself, regardless of maybe how it's packaged up in mm -hmm. your physical body. Yeah, for sure. And to that extent, um, can I, we, we give away free resources. Is that something I can say on the show? That's perfect. So my favorite way That's to right. wrap up any podcast interview is to ask you um, for your shameless plug and tell us a little bit about where we can find you on the internet so we can keep up with all of the things you have going on personally and with Brace Life Studios. Okay, thank you. So I'm a big fan of the shameless plug. 
Hey, why not? So on Instagram, you can look at at Robert Brace. Um, if you look on at Robert Brace and you click the link in my bio, you'll get a, access to 28 days of uh, free workouts of meditations, guided meditations, um, just to refresh your soul and 28 days of um, my mindset wellness principles, which are basically kind of little stories of from my own life and, and other clients' lives um, that really illustrate a wellness point uh, in order to motivate you and help you get some perspective. So that they can get free right now by going on to at Robert Brace on Instagram, click on it, uh, click on the link in the bio and just signing up for free. And then uh, bracelifestudios.com is the website where you can check out uh, what we're doing, sign up for classes, get a free class, come and try one of the mind, body, soul, body sense classes that we're doing. And uh, robertbrace.com is uh, uh, my personal website. Uh, we're doing a little bit of work on that. So um, depending on when this podcast goes out, you can go there too. But uh, bracelifestudios.com and uh, come visit us. Well, I would love to visit you on the internet and in real life in New York sometimes. So Thank you so much for taking the time today to share your story, share your expertise and what you're passionate about with helping other people. And I cannot wait to share this with our We Got Goals community. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would truly appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music. To our guest this week, Robert Brace. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing. And of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.